This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, there are handouts for this um, last presentation called Emotionally Disconnected. Did everyone get a handout? Oh, yeah, because you're still inside here. Okay, so... You know, I love volunteers. Did you guys know that? <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, raise your hand right there. And such willing hearts. Okay, so everyone has a handout. Good. Okay, hand is still up. Okay. How about... Okay, so my wife is back there, and she's in the yellow. Can you raise your hand, Yvette? Okay, and my, my daughter, Anya, is where? Outside with some friends, probably. Taj has a booth, and there were some handouts there um, for his booth. And we have a booth called Allowed and Clear called Ministry. And before we begin, let me tell you a little bit about our ministry. You know, I pastored 15 years in Hawaii, in the Hawaii Conference. And I've been sick of medical disability, I shared with you this morning, um, for 15 months. And yesterday I came off it, and today is my first day off medical disability. And I'm here to, uh, I know God called me here and gave me the energy for today. I didn't think I could do four meetings and uh, I just thank God for everyone's prayers. And prayer is actually what got me through. But I want to just ask something of, um, and this is about a ministry. And we're feeling that God's impressing us to go f- not part-time into our ministry, but go full-time into our ministry, a loud and clear call, and do more speaking engagements and traveling and so forth. And so what supports our ministry is uh, donations, which has helped support us from people, but also our CD albums. We have CD albums, and my wife has, my wife has CD albums in the, pa- in the back there f- that we use for a donational basis, and also individual CDs on relationships. And today we're talking about relationships, but especially the healing part. So whatever on donations or support and getting CDs helps out our ministry. And, you know, I don't charge any, I, don't, I believe the gospel is free, so my personal policy, not to charge any speaker fees, honorariums, or any per diems at all. But God gave me the gospel free, and we should give it to free one to another. What do you say, amen? So we just ask for um, airfare, that's all we do. And sometimes we split between two different ministries or churches, and we split half-half between two churches, and it's really cost-effective to bring people over. But sometimes some places don't pay for my wife and daughter to fly as a family. So we take a loss. Um, but you know, God has been good and He's been faithful to us. And uh, let me share one testimony. This past 12 months, I've been on medical disability. Midway through, they cut off my medical disability payments. So I had zero income. 
for six months. I talked about my family and said, look, we're not going to ask one person for money, not even my own family. We're going to pray to God, and we want to see who is listening to God. Over 22 people sent us money through the mail or came to our property and gave us money. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm like, look at that. And I'm like, it's amazing. We're able to pay all of our bills. God's amazing, amen? High, super high mortgage. Because we did it in 10-year mortgage to get it down faster. And God does amazing things. And I go, wow, God, there's a lot of people listening to you. And so I believe that, you know, God can impress. If you want to support our ministry, pray about it. If you want to do that. But uh, God loves a cheerful giver. I don't believe in force. Tomorrow's presentation is going to talk about that, controlling people to gain anger and force. But uh, God impressed and pray about it. And if you want to support our ministry through the CDs. Another thing, last thing I want to share as an announcement is, um, if there's anybody here that would like to pray about this too, would like to help out in our ministry, and maybe God has gifted you, especially our young people. God has gifted you in the gift of Photoshop. <laughs> yeah? That is a gift, right? I know a little bit. But, I, no, we need Photoshop for our ministry, InDesign, Keynote, or just editing you know, documents. And who knows? God may use that as you give. God may use that as you read the, the sermons or books that you read. Um, may use that for your healing. Who knows what it may be? But pray about it and let the Holy Spirit lead you. In that, and if you feel impressed after you pray about it that you want to help out our ministry, uh, let me know, okay, afterwards or anytime during the seminars. After the seminars, okay. Opening text this morning is found in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty-two to twenty-four. Does everyone have a handout? Okay, who doesn't have a handout? Raise up your hand. Okay, there's a few hands here. That don't have handouts. Okay, there's my daughter. She's finally getting to work again. Okay, raise your hand. She's kind of short, so you got to raise it high so she can look over the heads. <laughs> okay, thank you. So raise your hands. Okay, there's a few. Should you take a while to get to you? There's a few hands. Okay, it's called Emotionally Disconnected. It's the last presentation for today. And the opening text is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. You know, if everyone can scoot in the middle, I know um, there'll be rooms in the end, please. And this morning, they're turning um, people away because fire code doesn't allow people to line up the walls. So um, if you could just scoot in, that'd be very helpful. Thank you. And then we won't have to turn people away. Who knows? They may be the very message they will, may need for the healing, right? And um, thank you for doing that. Thank you very much. Scooting in. I know we like our space because we can put a Bible next to us, next seat, and I like the same thing. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 and 24. 
We're living in a time where we are emotionally disconnected. And this disconnection is getting worse, not better. Now, because we're getting more and more disconnected from one another, that we are now seeing people being so mean to each other as the love of many is waxing cold. If you can still scoot, I think there's more people standing. And the seats in the front here. Anyone want to sit in the front? There's five seats in the front. You know, I used to think that the only reason why people didn't get along because they had poor relational skills. But now I realize that this is only part of the problem. For I realize that in order for us to have any, a good relationship, we must heal from our past and present emotional wounds. You know, a couple years ago, a young lady came to our church. And this young lady visited, I had a call porter program. And she joined the call porter program for like a day. And she was very rude and mean to everyone, and this created a lot of problems and dissension within the group. You know, some of them tried to reach out to them, being good call porters, but it didn't work. And then I met her, and then I realized that I haven't quite met anyone like her before. I had to really pray for patience while being around her. I didn't see her again until about a couple years later when I was invited to speak at her church. And while at her church, um, I made an appeal for healing from the past wounds so they can be set free. I made an altar call at the end of the church service for people to come forward for healing and anointing with oil, and she came in front for my appeal. And then when we finally... Um, met, you know, one by one they meet me, she shared with me of how she's been hurt so many times by other people that now she has put up boundaries up all around her so that she wouldn't be hurt anymore. She then shared with me that it was because of this that she had no close friends. I then anointed her and prayed with her for healing. It hit me that not that there need to be more classes on, you know, how to have better marriages and techniques and methods and all that, how to have better communication skills, and which I think those are important, but that's only a minor importance compared to what is really needed, and that is healing from your wounds, because if you've been wounded, you build up a wall, and then you protect yourself from everyone around you, right? And the fact is not teaching you how to become, uh, have better relationships, the problem is actually you don't want better relationships and you want your wall up to protect your heart from being hurt once again. And so God has taught me this. Beloved, we need to heal from our past wounds. What do you say? Amen? So that we can then become emotionally connected to those around us. And I want that. Let us pray. Father, thank you for being connected to us teach us our need and the solution is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. What was Eve made from? Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. Notice what the Bible says. 2, 22 to 24. The Bible says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So how was Eve made? She was made from what? Adam's what? And what are ribs? They are what? Bones, right? Bones. 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my what? 
bones. There, there's the word bones. Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and there shall be one flesh. Eve was made from the bones of Adam. And that's why when Eve was created, Adam said, right, Eve is bone of my bones. In other words, bones in the Bible represents oneness and connection, right? Oneness and connection. Now, it was when Adam and Eve sinned that they then disconnected from one another. That's why when they sinned, Adam said, you know, it was, he blamed the woman. And the moment he blamed the woman, there was an emotional disconnection. In other words, he didn't, he didn't feel bad that he was hurting his wife by blaming her anymore. Before sin, he did not blame her. There was an emotional connection. There was a oneness. But because of sin, there's a now emotional disconnection. And today, there are many people who are living with broken bones or broken connections. They're emotionally disconnected with themselves and from one another. In fact, they may be even physically living together while at the same time be emotionally far apart. Let's take a look at a story that reveals the relationship of people during the time of the Jewish church. Look to Judges chapter 19, verse 2. Judges chapter 19, verse 2. Okay, we're going to stay in Judges chapter 19, so we're going to stay here in the whole story. Judges chapter 19, verse 2. Talking about a man and his concubine, his wife, what did this man's concubine do? Notice the Bible says, Judges chapter 19, verse 2, it says, and his concubine played the what? Whore, the harlot, prostitute against him. And went away from him unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. This man's concubine left him, moved back home, and then played the whore. In other words, she began sleeping around with a lot of men. You see, sex is an intimate act. It is the giving of ourselves physically, spiritually, and emotionally to another person. And this is why that when you break up with someone with whom you had sex with, you have emotional pain. True? Therefore, the person who sleeps around with many different partners, like this woman in the story, is only able to do it if they don't get emotionally attached. True? In other words, this woman in the story was only able to do this because she emotionally disconnected herself from her husband by leaving him, right? And she emotionally disconnected herself from all the men that she was sleeping with. But that's the only way you can live with yourself and have sex with all these different men if you emotionally disconnect yourself. You see, one of the dangers of porn, novels, movies, gaming, TV, internet, and even Facebook, you know how to join Facebook, right? I just posted it yesterday, okay? So I use it. <laughs> but I did fast for 15 months, pretty much, when I was sick. The problem with all these different things that we use is that they tend to further disconnect us from reality. And from emotionally connecting in real life to those around us. You've seen the people who go out to eat, right? They hang out. Let's go hang out. And they go out to eat out. And they go all sitting around the table looking at their smartphones. 
Or you've seen yourself do that, right? Emotionally disconnected. You've seen like a family say, hey, no, we don't sit together anymore as a family. Let's get together and let's hang on. Let's have a Thanksgiving dinner and, and let's have dinner together. So they all get together, have dinner, and they sit down in front of the TV and watch football. Emotionally disconnected. Whatever happened to sitting around a table, looking someone in the eye, and talking about life? How are you doing? No, no. How are you really doing? And that's a powerful second question, you know? It's easy to ask, how are you doing? But to pause and say, no, how are you really doing? You're going to get a whole different answer. That's real listening. That's real care. That's real unselfish love. What did this man then do? Judges 19, verse 3. The Bible says, And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having his servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. So this guy wanted to win her heart. Pretty good man, huh? Those of you who know the story, we disagree. Seemed like a pretty good man who won a winner heart. I want you also to notice that this man, the father-in-law, was happy to see him when he came back, right? Now, first of all, what godly father in Israel would allow his daughter to leave her husband, come back home, and be a whore? You see, this father knew that what his daughter was doing was wrong, but he didn't stop her. But, but maybe, worse than that, could it be that he didn't know how to stop her? That he didn't know how to reason from cause to effect and thus truly help her? You see, a person who is emotionally disconnected didn't just wake up one morning and become that way. No, this, this girl who's emotionally disconnected from all the men she was sleeping with, no, something must have happened in her life before she came that way. True? Amen? You see, this woman like us was born with a desire to be loved. But because she never got this from her dad, she then began to search elsewhere. And when she didn't find it through her marriage, she then began searching for love in all of the wrong places, although never being able to find it. And now that she was home again, her father still didn't know how to emotionally connect with her. In other words, if he was emotionally connected to his daughter, he would have been able to fill her love tank, and thus she would have not been searching for love in all of the wrong places. You see, this family was emotionally disconnected, and the sad thing is that even though she was in the presence of her father, her love tank was still empty. And beloved, in the same way, some of us can be in the very presence of our own spouses, our own children, our own parents, living in the very same home and yet still be emotionally disconnected. Now I always tell my daughter, I say to her, and I played a little game, how's your love tank today? And she'll go, and she's on my lap, she'll go, here, daddy. <laughs> and I go, and I go, let me give you some love. Okay, how's your love tank? Anya, it's here, Daddy. <laughs> well, you want more love, huh? <laughs> okay. Come here. And I look in her eyes. That's one of the ways to show love. Let me love you. 
How's your love tank now? It's here, Daddy. That's all? Yes, it's here. Okay, come here. And I love it more. I go, where's your love tank now? It's here, Daddy. That's all? <laughs> and it goes on until it's like in the universe, okay? Way past the stars and everything. That's what I wanted, okay? I went to a church and I made an altar call for appeal for healing. And it was an unusual sight because he was a mother dragging her son and her niece down the center aisle. Very unusual. Usually people come of their own accord. <laughs> she came to the front, I guess before the altar. And she, uh, we waited, and then one by one people came for a prayer and anointing service that I did for healing. And she finally got to meet with them, and she said, they have something to tell you. And they didn't say anything. They said, well, he has anger issues. And he, he lashes out. Recently has been lashing out. He's very angry. Thought about it. Thought about the spirit prophecy quotation I shared with you this morning. And I said to him, I didn't look at her, I said to him, I explained to her how my daughter does the love tank. And I said to him, where's your love tank? How full is it? And he said, down here. Put his head down. And look at the mom. She put her head down. Say, he doesn't have a father. And I'm so busy at work. I have no time for him. Prayed for healing and anointing. Beloved, we need healing in our churches. What do you say? Amen? You know how much problems we have in our church? You know these problems would disappear with love? You know that, huh? We can take the best courses on um, business management. And you know what? We have problems disguised in other areas, in other ways. A woman shared her story of a letter she wrote when she was eight years old. To a father she had never known because of divorce. She wrote in this letter, she wrote a letter, she said, I want you to know about me. I like hopscotch, biology, and dissecting things. You don't have to respond by just wanting to know about your daughter. Her letter came back to her unopened. With these words written across the front of the envelope saying, Return to sender, send no more letters. Tearfully, she described the impact of her father's rejection. She said, Ever since then, I've sought acceptance from men through boyfriends. I hate it. I'm a feminist. And I still have this need for acceptance from men. Interesting how our past, it does affect our present and future. You believe that? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Okay, look at verse 9 and 10. Let's continue on with our story. What did the father-in-law do over and over again? 
Judges 19, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Before the day grows to an end, lodge here, and your heart will be merry, and tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way, that you may go home. But the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. You see, this father pleaded with his son-in-law six different times to stay with him longer. It was a Jewish custom at that time to ask a guest to stay overnight as long as you could. But to plead six different times to stay longer was far above the usual amount. In other words, this father was really wanting his son-in-law to stay and keep him company because he must have been longing for someone to spend time with him, to connect with. Now, even though he pleaded with his son-in-law to stay, his son-in-law still left even though it was at a bad hour for he could have easily stayed to the next hour. In fact, it was this choice to leave at this bad hour which began the bad, evil chain of events that we're going to see shortly. Now, in order to have left at such a bad hour, this son-in-law must have come to the point where he had just wanted to leave. And beloved, in the same way today, we are seeing more and more families who are so emotionally disconnected that they really don't have any close friends. We're seeing more and more older people. In fact, just like this father, when people go and visit them, they just want to leave, even if it's at a bad time and they're emotionally draining to be around. What happened next? Because it was late at night, where did they stop? Verse 15, notice the Bible says, And it turned aside hither to go in and to lodge in Gabeah. And when he went in, he sat down in the street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. This was a Jewish city, right? They didn't go into their heathen city. They decided to go to a Jewish city. It was part of their church, their fellow remnant church at that time. But here in this fellow Jewish city, no one took them in. So they just ended up sitting down in the middle of the street. You see, in the Jewish culture at that time, they were supposed to take them in. But no one showed them any love or kindness by taking them in. But eventually an old man who wasn't even from that city who finally took them in. Somebody who wasn't even of the Jewish faith, and beloved, unfortunately, the same way today, sometimes we see more love and hospitality out there in the world than we see in our very own churches. And Laodicea needs to wake up. What do you say, amen? Buy me gold tried in the fire. Inspiration says that is love. Laodicea needs love in the church. What do you say, amen? True love. Sometimes we, need to, sometimes we need to get out of the forest and look at the forest from the outside. Now, I'm not saying this, okay? But sometimes God may allow that to happen to you. He allowed that to happen to me. I'm a pastor. I was in the system. Not only a member, but as a pastor, I was in the system. Not only that, but I'm on the conference executive committee. For three turns, which is actually the modern-day Sanhedrin, so they call it. The inner workings of the inner circles. I understand the workings of the church. And sometimes we can blind ourselves to the true condition of Laodicea. God has called us to be Laodicea because it is Laodicea. What do you say, amen? And we think we're good and all that, but God says, look, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and you need and I need to change. What do you say, Amen. 
So what God did was he took being sick, not by choice. I haven't attended church for over a year. And I have in contact with my family because they're visiting me. So I was stepping out, and I'm outside of the church for the first time looking in. And let me tell you, I have a different perspective than I had when I was in. Because sometimes when you're in, and when I talk to members now, you're so blinded to think that we're the remnant church, and we're so good, and everything's perfect, and, you know, if everyone can be like us, then everything would be great. But the reason why God is telling us that we're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked is so why? So that we would actually change. Because if he didn't tell us how bad we were, we would continue to think that we're good and nothing would change. True? Amen? So God, God does amazing things when you're broken, huh? What happened next? Verse 22 to 25. Judges chapter 19. Sorry. Verse 22 to 25, the Bible says, Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into your house that we may, what? Know him. Have sex with him. Let's have sex with all the men. The men came around surrounding the house. Let's have sex with all the men inside. Now, this was a Jewish church, the remnant church of that time. 23, And a man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly, seeing that this man is coming to my house, do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do not sow such a vile thing. But the men were now hearken to him. So the man took his concubine. Before we go there. So here was, here was this man. He's considered the best man in the city, right? This was a Jewish church at that time. God's remnant church at that time. And I want you to recognize the parallels. God's remnant church at that time. He tried to calm the mob down by first pleading with them and then by offering up his own daughter and his guest's concubine so that they could have sex with his own daughter. This was coming from the best man in the city, the only man who had shown them any kindness. Now who in their right mind would offer up his own daughter to be raped by vile men? And my answer is this. Only someone who was emotionally numb to the feelings of his own daughter. True? You see, even the best man in the city was emotionally disconnected from his family in God's remnant church. Now, because that didn't work, the visiting guest then came out and gave his own concubine, his own wife, to the wicked men, who then, well, let's continue on what the Bible says in verse 25. But the men were not hearken to him, so the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them, and they knew her. They had sex with her and abused her, sexually abused her, all the night, all night, they raped her until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Now what man would give up his own wife to be raped by vile men? 
Let me tell you, only someone who is emotionally numb to the feelings of his own wife. Mr. Nice Guy, in the beginning of the story, allowed them to rape his own wife. So not only was this woman emotionally separated from her husband, but we know from the story that this man was also emotionally detached from his wife. In other words, within God's remnant church at that time, the whole church was emotionally disconnected one from another. And not only in the church, but especially in the home. This was the spiritual condition of God's church at that time, for they were all spiritually disconnected one from another. And beloved, this is the spiritual condition of God's remnant church of today. What do you say? Amen? Laodicea is emotionally disconnected because it needs gold child in the fire. Ellen White says that is love. And when there's no love, the love of many is wax cold in the church. And we become emotionally disconnected one from another. A young girl in her early 20s, I made an appeal for healing after one of my presentations in one of our churches. And she came forward and it was her time to share with me for, for prayer. She shared with me her story of how her father had raped her cousin and had gone to prison for it. She wanted healing for both herself and her family. But not only that, she then shared with me that she also wanted healing for her church as well, being that her father was an elder in our church. Beloved, God doesn't give these stories in the Bible just to read them. There's a message for our church today. What do you say, amen? How many of you read this story and wonder, what in the world did God put this story in the Bible? How many of you ever wondered that? I did. What did a man find at the door the next morning? Judges 19, 27, 28. And the Lord rose up in the morning, and her Lord rose up in the morning, and opened the doors of the house, and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman his concubine was falling down at the door of the house, and the hands were upon the threshold. And he said unto her, Up, and let us be going. But none answered. Then the man took her up into an ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. The next morning, when the man opened the front door to leave, he found his concubine lying down at the front door. He told her to get up, but there was no answer. In other words, he then realized that she had died, that she was dead. See, not only did they rape and abuse her all night, but their wicked abuse also ended up killing her. Now, how do people commit such violent crimes towards one another? You ever watch on the news? You know, today in America, you've seen such violent and heinous crimes going on, are you not? Such wickedness and evil that you've seen here happen in America. Not only that, that's not what gets me. That gets me, but it's evil enough. But what gets me is that when you see the people who actually have committed such evil and violent crimes, and they have absolutely no remorse or conscience for what they have done. That's what gets me. And the reason why they have no conscience is because they have emotionally detached themselves from others. For just like these vile men, 
They have emotionally detached themselves from the feelings of their victims, and thus they have no feelings when they hurt their victims. Look at your handout. If you can look at your handout, please. Now, the reason why they've disconnected themselves from everyone is because they were raised in homes where they had no emotional connection. In other words, they were not unconditionally loved. So look at your handout. It says here, if there's a lack of unconditional love, the next step is there's an emotional disconnection. And because there's an emotional disconnection, you become emotionally numb when you hurt someone. This is called no conscience. But when you receive unconditional love in the home, or from God, the second home, right? You have emotional connection. And when you have emotional connection, you become emotionally sensitive when you hurt someone. You have a conscience. But beloved, we don't have to wait to commit a violent crime before we realize that we're emotionally disconnected. But whenever we hurt someone without feeling bad about it, we are revealing that we are emotionally disconnected. True? Amen? We are emotionally detached when we get a divorce and then we say, I don't care if my spouse leaves. We're emotionally detached when we hurt someone with our words and then we say, he or she deserved it. We're emotionally detached when we don't want to hear another person's perspective of truth and then we say, I don't care what they think. You ever done any of those things? You see, when you emotionally detach yourself from others, you're really hurting yourself because you're not experiencing the connection that God is wanting you to have. Also, when you emotionally separate yourself from others, you won't be fulfilling the needs for love that others in this world is hungry for. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Okay, let's look at verse 29. Judges 19, verse 29. What did this man then do? Notice the Bible says, And when he, he was come into his house, he took a knife and laid a hold on his concubine and divided her together with her what? Bones. Ah, those of you who were from the beginning of this sermon, are you connecting it? He divided her bones into 12 pieces and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. In other words, he cut his wife up into 12 pieces and 12 tribes of Israel. He sent one piece of his body of his wife to one tribe, Dan, and he sent another piece to Benjamin, another piece, right, to, uh, to Ishmael, to another one, to all the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And he kept doing it one after the other. Now, I want you to notice that the Bible specifically says that he divided her bones. Now, bones in the Bible represent what? We learn. Connectional oneness. So broken bones means a broken connection. See, this woman, what does a woman represent in a church? Church. And this woman represented the, church, the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the church, God's remnant church at that time. And thus, by dividing and breaking her bones, thank you, by dividing and breaking her bones, what he was really saying at that time, that God's church was broken. 
that they were all emotionally disconnected. This story is a whole mess of emotional disconnection within God's church, remnant church at that time. And beloved, this story is a direct parallel of the emotional disconnection that is happening in God's remnant church today. What do you say? Amen? And God wants us to realize that his church is full of disunity and fragmentation. Beloved, we are an emotionally disconnected church. And there ever was a time where we needed connection within our churches, then that time is now. You believe that? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? How did Israel react? Look at verse 30. And it was so that all that saw it said, There was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider of it. Think about it. Take advice. Learn what we need to do and speak your minds. Israel was shocked. Israel was shocked at what had happened to this woman. It was a call for them to wake up. And beloved, we need to wake up. What do you say? Amen? It was a time for tragic times calls for drastic measures. What do you say? Huh? Amen? And beloved, in the same way, this man felt this was a tragic time. And tragic time is time it calls for us to do something about it. Words are cheap. Is that not true? And beloved, in the same way today, it's a battle cry for all of spiritual Israel to wake up. And sometimes, beloved, you need to make a startling decree before you arouse people to action. You know, I gave a sermon once. Southern California at a conference. And the next day, a lady came up to me. And she said to me, you know, what you said yesterday was very disturbing to me. You know, in fact, Pastor, it was so disturbing that I went to sleep early last night, but I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning and twisting and I kept thinking about what you said over and over in my mind. I just couldn't get out of it in my mind. Beloved, that's what we need today. What do you say? Amen? And this man knew exactly what needed to be done, and Israel did something about it. They were aroused to action, and Israel came to the front, and they stepped up to the plate, and they did something about it, and they did something, and they destroyed that city. Israel thought about, reflected upon the condition. And beloved, in the same way, we too need to consider and reflect upon our true condition today. See, the more emotionally disconnected America becomes, the more intense the National Sunday Law will become. Why? Because the more emotionally disconnected America becomes, the more wicked and sinful it becomes. Right? True? The more sinful and wicked it becomes, the more people are going to cry out, we want to bring God back into America again. The more people are crying out, we need to bring God back into America again, the more the churches will cry out to pass out laws to legislate morality on the outside. But friends, we can never truly legislate morality on the outside. But instead, what we can do is give to others God's unconditional love and then lead them to the source of this love. What do you say, huh? Amen. But when they finally have God's love in their hearts, they will then want to legislate morality for themselves on the inside. See, the problem with America is not, we don't need more laws to legislate us, to make us do good on the outside. 
The problem with America is that each one of us who comprise the United States of America need to legislate themselves on the inside in our own hearts. What do you say, amen? And that can only truly be done if we have the Spirit of God living in our hearts. That is true. Civil and religious liberty. Now, not only should we reflect upon the corporate disconnection within the church, but we should also reflect upon our own condition of being emotionally disconnected from one another. You see, God's church is disconnected because we as individuals are disconnected. And the only thing that can bring healing to us is God's unconditional love, especially as seen on the cross and experienced in the home. Please look at your hand now for the quotation. Look at this. I used to think that the solution was found in the church. But notice what it says here. If we have unity in the church, we must first have it in the what? In the home. So you don't revive the church from working at the church. You revive the church from working in the home. For it is from the home that the church is what? Formed. And the tempers and dispositions displayed in the family circle are the tempers and dispositions found in the church. A well-ordered family is a powerful influence for good in this world, in the world. I used to try everything to revive our churches. You name it, I did it. And they're all good. But if you really want to make a difference in your church, parent ministry I mentioned, family ministry. Isn't that powerful? But not a, not a wishy-washy pop psychology family ministry. A Bible-based family ministry. What do you say? Amen? This is the power. This is the power that, thank you, Anya. Thank you. This is where the power is at. This can transform the The church is made out of homes, is it not? Revive the homes, and the church will automatically be revived. Neglect the homes, and the church will continue to plummet, as you've seen today. But beloved, our family and friends are not the only ones we have emotionally disconnected ourselves from. But today, we have emotionally disconnected ourselves from God. We have emotionally numb ourselves to his feelings. Do you know that God has thoughts and feelings? How do you know? Because God's glory is his character, right? Exodus chapter 33 and 34. And otherwise says God's glory is his character, right? Then otherwise says God's character is his thoughts and feelings. So, God has thoughts and feelings. Do you know you can hurt God's thoughts and feelings? We have emotionally numbed ourselves to his feelings. Why do I say so? So much so that whenever we don't feel any remorse when? Whenever we sin. Right? Whenever we sin, do we not crucify Christ afresh? Do we not hurt his heart and break his heart, right? 
And the fact that we sin over and over again, you know what that means? That means we are emotionally numb to God. You know what emotionally numb means? We don't care how he feels. We do it over and over and over again. It means that we don't care we're hurting him. As there's no conscience. And thus the only reason why we sin is become, we become emotionally numb to his feelings. And beloved, that is exactly what the unpardonable sin really is in the end. Because when you become eventually to the point where you become numb to the feelings of God and feel no remorse for how your sins have hurt God, that you, then you have no spiritual conscience like you see people today, and thus your probation closes. Not that God says, okay, you're too bad, boom. No. You have run so far from God, you can't hear his voice, you're so numb to his feelings and hurting him that you can no longer hear his voice. You put up a wall between him and, your, and yourself. You see, beloved, God's love is the only thing that can heal. You believe that? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? But when we see his love, especially that is revealed on the cross of Calvary, our hearts will be pained at what our sins have done to him. And when you get to know this love, you then put down your guard and trust him with all your heart. And that is why the cross reconnects us back to the thoughts and feelings of God. And when you finally become connected with God, we will then seek to connect with one another. Because that's what the Ten Commandments is all about, right? The first four commandments reveal our relationships with who? God. Relationship. Connection. Emotion connection with God. The last six commandments show what? Relationship with who? Each other. Man, right? An emotional connection with each other. It shows you what love looks like for both our relationship with one another and relationship with God. So let's ask God to reveal his thoughts and feelings of love to us so that we can then be healed. And then when we become healed, let's go out and give what we have received to a love-starved world. Beloved, I want this love of Calvary so that I can love him better, better than this. How about you? If you want this, let me say amen. Amen? amen. This afternoon, I want to experience healing. If you want to experience healing and continue to experience healing and see his love more clearly, will you raise your hand with me this afternoon? Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. Please continue to reveal to us our need to be emotionally connected, not only to each other, but primarily to you. May we heal as we hear your word. We thank you that you've already been healing and have healed us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. We're not done. Please break into your discussion groups first. Um, you have to leave, you can leave. But we do our discussion groups because this is the era that we see the greatest change among people. So this is the discussion question in your handout. Please read it to each other, and then we're going to have a report like we did this morning. Okay, go in the groups three to seven. This kind of break into groups of three to seven and discuss it, and then we have cut on the front, and you can share. Just kind of turn around and talk to each other. Go ahead. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.